HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's February 2nd, 2016. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. And thanks to our sponsor, uh, Union Beer Distributor, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. So if you want to tweet, at beer underscore sessions, we'll be tweeting live all day. And, and it's uh, Groundhog Day today. Today is? I'm only telling you because I never think of it as a beer day. Um, and we got, we got Danny Bruckert here from Six Point, and, and we, we just picked up some guys from Southern Tier at the bar here at Roberta's. <laughs> but uh, I never think of this as a beer day. And then this morning I saw that Lou Bryson, who's our great friend, beer Ooh. and whiskey writer, yeah. every year he goes to some lodge near where the, the Groundhog is in Pennsylvania, and uh, he watches the Groundhog and drinks in the morning. So. Great. So I, mean, I guess that this day is going to repeat for the rest of our life yeah. every single day. So I th- I just, okay. it's the Groundhog. And how does Groundhog Day relate to beer? How's, I mean, have everything th- relates to beer. Who cares? <laughs> what would you drink? If Lou, if we, should, we should have asked Lou to call in because, Lou Bryson, what were you doing you know, at, at like 7 or 8 this morning you know, in a bar on Groundhog Day? I want to know about well, that. Well, I'd like to drink with Lou in the morning on Groundhog Day because I've seen his whiskey collections. Pretty impressive from what it's I can imagine. Good. Well, we, we, we put a lot of work into getting the show together because, um, you know, when I first started at Jimmy's Number 43, one of the beers that inspired me was uh, the beers of Six Point because they were new at the time and a, a new, one of the new breweries in the city, which kind of led to the whole, I felt like New York City kind of craft beer revival. And I don't know if you remember the first time you had Six Point in. Or some of the first New York City beers that you were drinking. Yeah, I remember when it started kind of exploding everywhere. And I get, yeah, again, the Bengali was, all of a sudden it went from zero to 60. And it was kind of everywhere, particularly in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah, I think no, that's done really well for you. And it's good to see it's still doing well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. but we're, so Danny Brooker, you're, you're the head brewer at the Red Hook Brewery of uh, right. Six Point. So it's, it's great having you on. And we're, we're going to get into a little bit. So I know that's where the brewery where Six Point started. That's where it started. That's right. Yeah, over on uh, 40 Van Dyke Street in Red Hook, Brooklyn. T- uh, 11 years now, I think. And you guys went through a Hurricane Sandy, right? You guys, oh, yeah. You got, got some damage. A lot of damage. Uh, the beer made it out unscathed, thank God. Uh, 
tasted actually better. It got to sit on dry hops a little bit longer. So, uh, but yeah, we got about four feet of water. So oh. anything that was on the ground was just ruined. Pumps, boiler, things like that. They were just decimated. Salt water is horrible for a brewery. Well, you know, we got uh, New York City Beer Weeks coming up in a few weeks, and uh, it's nice to have you. You're, you're going to be one of our, our featured brewers at the New York City Brewers Choice. Great. So it's kind of nice to get a profile. You. So tell us how you got started in beer, the first time you made beer, when you started working at Six Point. Well, you know, my my wife, girlfriend at the time, um, got me a, you know, it's, it got me a Mr. Beer Kit. And, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it. I think a lot of brewers found their way into the craft brewing industry with Mr. Beer Kits. I, you know, I, that'd be an interesting study to see what the craft beer scene would be without Mr. Beer Kits. But uh, she got me a kit. It was an extract uh, uh, kit. And, you know, it came with the can of pre-hopped extract and the little yeast packet that was probably, you know, 75% dead yeast cells and... I uh, I made my first batch of beer, and, you know, it probably tasted horrible, but at the time I loved it, and it, it kind of started uh, started the habit, and it was, just went from there. Obviously, it was a hobby that got way out of my hands, and that's how I more or less ended up at 6.5 years after that and homebrewing for a good long time. But so That was your first brewery job? Yep, 6.0 was my first brewery job. Started there washing kegs, and I've uh, been there for about five years now, and it's been it's been a fun ride awesome all right man. yeah you know it's funny is um i was reading about you mm-hmm. and i so you're you're a self-taught brewer or, or, or were you taught well, as a brewer at six point at you know when i started yes i was a self-taught brewer but we all went through uh, a formal brewing education uh, through the american brewers guild so it was a it was a great great experience especially for someone that was hungry for brewing knowledge and you know six point takes education for brewers very seriously so all the brewers that we happen to take on we make sure that they go through some sort of formal training so you know we we great i was just saying that it's funny because we make a lot of comparisons with brewers to chefs more so than winemakers or any other uh, spirit makers and i think it's one of the few professions left that has true apprenticeship you know qualities where it's like yes you obviously want to get trained and know the classic styles and and be formally educated, but there's still that element of apprenticeship, starting off washing kegs, you know, learning how each place does it. And everyone's a little different, kind of finding your own style, I think makes it so exciting, you know, yeah. to see people's evolution. Very cool. Well, that's for sure, man. Um, and we also got the guys here from Southern Tier. You guys introduce yourselves. How are you doing? Shane Henderson. And I'm Brendan Koss from Southern Tier. So well. Ann just picked you guys up at the bar. These guys were doing a sales <laughs> easy, call at Roberta's. And, uh, and, 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 and you guys are also going to be part of the, the New York City Beer Week and New York City Brewers Choice, even though you guys are from up by Buffalo. So what, what beer are you guys bringing down for New York City Brewers Choice? Well, we're actually um, launching a, a new beer right now um, called 2X Smash, which is kind of a coincidence because the New York City Beer Week does a smash beer. But the smash for the Beer Week uh, represents more of state malt, state hop. Um, we were making this beer uh, for single malt, single hop. So it's still the same SMASH acronym, but we were doing it um, to highlight just um, the mosaic hops that we're using it and the specialty pale malts that we're using. Um, kind of just emphasize a little bit of that bright, juicy, tropical flavor that you get from mosaics. Really fun beer. Really, I, I always call them sexy, appealing hops where they get in your nose and it just makes you really happy. Um, but that's the kind of the beer we were making. And since we make the 2X series, um, of course, we went to make it a double. We love our 8% beers, so... Um, it happened to just tie in at the, 
around the same time. Wow, that's great. So it's, it's hoppy makes you happy. Is that what it is? <laughs> exactly. But you guys are also bringing in another an, New York yeah. smash beer, right? What, can you tell us about that? Is it a sour? Yeah, was- so we're bringing in, it's called Local Sour. Um, we've done the series before. It was um, more of a Western New York thing we did up there. And um, we've done a couple different varieties of the different sour beers. And uh, this one, we've done all New York State malts, all New York State hops, and it's uh, a kettle sour. We've done some different varietals. We did it uh, with some peach added into it at certain points, but this one is going to be just a straight kettle sour. It's it's a nice dry sour with a little bit of tartness in the beginning, but it finishes really smooth, and, and we're really excited about it to have it for beer week. Oh, that's great, and we're really looking forward to having you. So back to Danny. So Danny, so you started washing kegs at Six Point. Yeah. And what were some of the first beers that, that you helped make? Well, uh, you know, once I got there, uh, being the keg washer, you uh, you, you want to be. I, we can't curse on radio, can we? I'll, I'll, I guess, I'll keep I guess those he words. Can, right? And curses. Uh, does she? Well, Madam, so Madam, I was I, I was the purpose. bitch of the brewery. I had to do all the dirty jobs. So I like to feel like you know, the, at least what I preach to my team is everybody has a hand in the brew. Nobody, no one person is responsible for it. So at the time, if I'm mucking out or, or anything like that or watching the boil, I you know I got a part to play in brewing the beer. And, and some of the first beers that I brewed uh, at Six Point were Righteous Rye, which is also the first beer that introduced me to Six Point. Um, when I first actually got to the brewery, I remember Diesel being one of the first beers that uh, I actually tried. It was after a long day of keg washing, which, you know, anybody that's washed kegs knows what a glamorous job that is. And uh, it was it was about eight hours in, and I timidly approached one of the brewers because I, I still felt like, wow, I'm so lucky to be here. I'm so lucky to be in a brewery washing kegs. And I, you know, I asked, can, can I have a pint, you know, <laughs> really timidly, because I didn't want to, I, you know, I was like, I don't want to step on any toes, but damn it, I'm thirsty. You guys got to, you know, give me you something. Know, I've, I've been to the Red Hook Brewery a few times, and you definitely have a couple of kegerators there. Yes, I know yeah, no, we, have, we have three fantastic, beautiful kegerators, they're vintage kegerators, and uh, these things are great. They're like fridges from the 1950, they, they, a couple of them look like R2-D2 units almost, but um, they just look beautiful. Great, great keg. They're made out of Portland. Um, that's about all I know. I couldn't give you a name, but they look great. You know, the, the more I know about brewing, I, I, one time I took uh, John Lapola's Bitter and Esther's class, the one, Beer 101, yeah. and I learned that for two hours he talked about different types of sanitizers and cleaning. You know, we always forget how much hard work goes into making beer, because yeah. I, I love to drink it, Yeah, but uh, I, I, I'm not really into making it, so... No, you know, it's funny. Uh, when, I, when I tried to get my brother into brewing, I think he fell asleep for six hours and woke up at the end of boil. It's, you know, it's one of those, <laughs> those strange, uh, uh, it's a masochistic hobby. I, I think it is. I mean, Jesus, you're, you're, you're cleaning all the time. And, you know, it's, it's not fun most of the time. When home brewers want to make the jump into craft brewing, let me see if I can say this right. I try to tell them you have to take... Uh, uh, everything that you love about brewing and times that by times that by five and then take everything you hate about brewing and times that by about 500 that's and a really that's, good way to put it actually that's that's, uh, that's professional brewing you know we all love it and we love what we do we have to in order to uh keep on doing it every day but it is a lot of hard work beer demands a lot from people and you know that's one of the things that i like about it I know you've you've talked a lot about uh, styles of beer, and and I know you're really a a technical brewer, because I I know you've talked about things like, you know, clear beer versus hazy beer. Big, big, those are some fun debates that we have around the brewery these days. 
And I'd be curious to hear what other people had to say. Yeah, who about wants to Hazy join in? What's clear versus Hazy? I, mean, I I know there's some new styles. I think some people call it the New England style, or it's like something that Hetty Topper would be, which yeah. is kind of hazy, and it's like a juice bomb. Yes, and it's you know it, it pertains really to to uh, hazy IPAs and beers that once you know should be clear are now becoming hazy and you know one of the biggest arguments that i've heard for it are you get more aromatic compounds from the hops and that very well could be because uh you know you're not putting the beer through any fining process but you know it that that argument just doesn't fly with me i mean one of the things that immediately attracted me to craft beer, because it's, you know, really it's a theatrical experience. I mean, beer is probably the most theatrical beverage on the face of the planet. When you think about glassware being a stage almost, you know, you've got to think, look at all the different stages we create for, for beer. We have goblets, pints, chalices, flutes, snifters, pony glasses. I mean, just, just a whole array of different glassware to show off this beautiful beverage that, uh, you know, I traditionally I think should be clear now certain beer styles obviously uh, should be hazy like wheat beers those those call for haze but you know we've been seeing a trend now with IPAs where you know you're seeing a lot of hazy IPAs now I'm not saying that these are bad beers it just for me when you take the brilliance of a beer and you you know having a bright beer I think it just lets the color shine through it's eye-catching and you have a beautiful head on top of it it's you know you people write poetry about it and when you when you have a hazy ipa instinctively when i see that as a brewer i think mm, something went wrong or somebody was lazy or you know something like that and that that's so it doesn't it's not that it tastes bad but it takes away visually from something that i should be experiencing I'm, i feel like i'm being cheated and i know i'm going to get a lot of heat for this but i'm glad that i could say it on radio <laughs> that's okay i'm ready for it i'm ready like for you just wrote your own poem as a brewer do you like is there a, a difference when it's hazy since you're not filtering out a lot of like the excess malt or hops is like is there easier to like some sort of break down it or like is, is that a part of it, or is it just more of like you want to see just like that clear beer? So, you know, it, it really depends on what kind of haze, but just for the purpose of this argument, let, let's pretend that it's chill haze, because mostly I think that that's what it is. It's, it's a combination of a protein and a polyphenol, and what happens is when the beer cools off, these two compounds can link together. They can cross-link and come out of solution. So when it does that, it creates a haze, but when you warm it up, it will... Uh, break apart because it's only held together by by generally weak hydrogen bonds so when it warms up uh, they will break apart and then go back into solution and that's why that that's why chill haze gets is created when it cools off now chill haze in itself is flavorless all right it's it's not going to add any flavor to the beer but visually uh people drink with their eyes now i've been running a tasting panel at six point for um close to a year now and you know, it's amazing what the appearance can do to affect the flavor of a beer. It's almost like when you read the back of a wine bottle and it describes the wine. Then when you pour it and you taste it, you, you 
pick those things out. You almost instinctively tell yourself, well, I'm going to taste blueberry now. or gooseberry or whatever the hell berry. Brendan's like bobbing his head. What do you want I'm to I'm just say? 100% <laughs> how you convince yourself so easily just by appearance that your brain, before you even sip the liquid, tells you what you're going to have before it even comes to your mouth. Totally. Yeah. And you can convince yourself even after it's hit your palate and you've, you've, you've broken down the liquid, but you still have that lasting effect of what you had before you even went into the experience. Pink elephant. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. It really is. And that's why, you know, if, flavor is very important. Don't get me wrong. It's the most important thing, but I would have to say packaging and, and appearance and the visual appearance of beer is equally as important when it comes to... Have, have you ever done like a totally blind tasting, but not just of beer? I think that... Um, I don't know if Sam Merritt used to do it, but I've, I've had, had it at some parties where they give you a total blind drink, and you don't even know what it is. It could be whiskey, it could be rum, it could be beer, and you don't know what it is. And without that knowledge going in, you're right. I, 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 people have been fooled thinking that a rum is a dark beer. Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever have done an exercise like that. The I, sweetness I, of it, yeah. Absolutely. Guinness is a fun one because people usually drink Guinness and they think it's a light beer light drinkable uh, beer yep. but really it's, a, it's that oil that they describe it as but yeah. you know yeah well, and i trust so much like that i know like lots a lot of times i like to drink at my place james number 43 or certain goober seal bars like a spite and dive where i know what i'm getting and i don't have to have that fear factor you know and and i know what you're saying because i'm like if someone had blindfolded me and had me taste it i would be freaked out i mean what if they put peas in your mouth you know or something <laughs> that i don't like but yeah, and you know there's a funny story if we have time there's a funny story when it just going along with you're saying we had brewed uh, uh, a smoked beer and we were all very excited for this smoked beer and the brewer at the time got so excited it was done fermenting he saw that it was done fermenting he ran in the brewery pulled a sample smelled the beer oh god it smells so good the smoke and then i smelled it and i thought i'm not really getting a whole lot of smoke what tank did you get this out of? <laughs> he was so ready to smell yeah. smoke that he created the aroma. I mean, more or less, it was the wrong tank and the wrong beer, and there was no smoked malt in the beer. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was just, it's a, and he was a great taster, and, you know, it's, I trusted his palate completely, but it just goes to show you that if you want to convince yourself that a flavor is in a, a liquid, you can. That's hilarious, man. What, what about it's it? It's just funny, too, in the age of it's social true. media. It's true. It's so true. Well, that's as well. But appearance, you know, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing with social media and Instagram and, you know, all of these, fo- you know, photo-heavy apps, it's yeah. just important appearance and, and the look of something is always really crucial. Absolutely. Shane, <laughs> we did a blind tasting. Yeah, tell us about some blind tasting you guys have done. Yeah, we recently just launched a, uh, a beer just for New York City, which we're really excited about. We think it's a, it's a big thing for for this market, especially it was a Pilsner. But um, before we launched a brand, me and Shane went out and we got a bunch of Pilsners that we really respected, and, and about ten what was it like ten? It's like ten to fourteen. Ten to fourteen beers, and we were just trying to figure out like what makes a pilsner a pilsner you and know like, they were completely different that was the big thing for us was that you can look just for aromatics or just for color of the beer and none of them were any similar but from taste it was it was all how you perceived it yep. wow that's awesome we have a great show going on we'll be back in a few minutes on beer sessions radio all right Sitting here all alone, or miss your call. 
1996, L Knife and Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio and the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's Groundhog Day, February 2nd. We found something to talk about, and it's like Lou Bryson goes early to a bar on Groundhog Day in Pennsylvania. Sounds like you're setting guy. up a knock-knock joke or something. Well, we got, you know, we got to get Lou Bryson on. Lou, if, if anyone's tweeting out there, tweet Lou Bryson and tell him that uh, big love to him. And uh, next year we're going to go to Groundhog Day in Pennsylvania with Lou. Yeah. That would awesome. be fun. So, Danny, you were talking about hazy versus clear, and everyone started talking about yes. blind tasting and my fear that if I was blind tasting, someone would put something like peas in my mouth yeah, instead you, of a... You never know. <laughs> Yeah, peas or blueberries. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're turning violent. But that was a great, that was a great story. So the guy that you're saying that people go back again. Tell us that story again so about the smoked I, beer. Know, and- yeah. So so basically, this the story was you know we had brewed a smoked beer and we were very excited to taste it. So the brewer, sorry, the brewer ran in and uh, you know grabbed a sample from the tank so he can taste it. And you know he thought it was an unbelievably smelling smoky beer and it ended up being out of the wrong tank so there was no smoked malt in it but he had convinced himself of it and you know uh, uh, again people drink with their eyes so you know the visual appearance uh, of beer and you know it just it's all part of the uh the sensation so you know if somebody is looking for smoked malt they'll they'll create it in their head in some way no that's cool let's go to another talking point so um i know you're going to talk about clear versus hazy beer Mm -hmm. what about stable foam you never think about foam and beer that much and i read something you were talking about so now i want to learn more about it yeah well you know foam luckily for us with craft beer you know we're generally using uh these are generally all malt beers so a stable foam shouldn't be something that that it's that difficult to achieve but uh you know when you dilute the protein content of a beer with with, say adjuncts like rice or corn then it's it's going to take away foam positive proteins from from your beer uh, there's a, a protein called protein Z that's found in malt that uh, greatly uh, affects uh, foam. There are there are foam positive attributes to hops that greatly affect foam. So you know if you if you're brewing an IPA, uh, a stable head on a beer shouldn't be a problem at all at all. And you know to me the the head on a beer 
it's probably the sexiest part of the beer. I, I, maybe you guys can speak to that yeah. too, but it's just a beer without a head. I mean, it's just. Brendan wants to say yeah. something. You said sexy, he wants to talk. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. I just had a story. We had a, I have a count on Long Island that I think about this story when it comes up. They had. Um, they're a craft forward bar on Long Island, which is kind of a little bit behind where we are in the city. And they've had complaints and Yelp reviews about getting a 16 ounce pour or even a 12 ounce pour and getting two two inches of head retention and getting complaints and bad reviews. And and the owners of the bar, which I respect very much, have come out forward to that people and say, listen. The people that brewed this beer wanted it to be brewed this way. I would be feeling like I would be doing something wrong to the brewers themselves if I was to pour this beer and pour out all that head retention and give you a flat beer because you'd be losing the character of what the beer was supposed to be brewed for. So I think that's – I'm not a brewer, and I know that that goes him. a long way for the brewers because that's – you made a balanced beer for a reason, and yeah. by doing that, you're losing a lot of the character of it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's the only beverage that has a stable foam. So why would you not want to show that off? It's a beautiful part of the beer. And yeah, it, thank goodness for fill lines. That's always the easy. <laughs> if you don't have a ton of time to explain the ins and outs, it's like, oh, no, it's intentional. You know, it's like, especially yeah. with the Belgian and, beers. And, and your Cicerone classes, was that something that was covered? Beer foam? And- um, not really the tech. I mean, I didn't take classes. That was I took it before there were actual classes. Um, it's not something. I don't know that it was covered in the test. Maybe from a pouring or a serving point of view, definitely not from a technical. It doesn't yeah, it get. Was, it was more of the the serving. Yeah, part the of serving that part of it and having yeah emphasizing that yeah. that's part. But of it's the crucial. Beer. I mean, it brings the lifts the aromas up to your nose, the mouthfeel, the texture, everything about it is crucial. And it's funny because I'm one of those dorks that like if I get served a flat beer, I'll take a sip on the low and stir it up and get you know bring the head back. Yeah, yeah. or or know? the bartender's trick if if you if the pint's sitting on the on the bar for a little bit. You stir it with a straw or something, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just something. It's just so much more of a pleasurable experience than a flat beer, in so, my opinion. Danny, you know, a few years ago we had on Charlie Bamforth, who was like the, the UC Davis professor. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I know he did some studies that, that were, what, what's the best, you know, soap to use on glasses to, to help with the head retention. And that was the first time I ever talked about it with anybody. Yeah. Um, Tell us more, more about it. I, n- I never really thought about the importance of head on a beer. Well, you know, there, so there are certain things that can take uh, away the head of a beer besides, um, you know, a bad beer or just not, you know, foam-stable beer. Um, you know, there's, there, so when, when it comes to glassware, you want to make sure that the glassware is absolutely clean. You want to use a, a detergent that doesn't have a scent. And, you know, you want to rinse with cold water instead of hot. You want to make sure that it's uh, it's it's absolutely clean because um, if there are any oils, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you've ever seen this disgusting habit where people will wipe their nose, the oils on their <laughs> nose, and they'll put their finger in the foam just so it dies down. Is that what you guys do at Six Point? (laughs) I've never seen anything. That's what you do at Six Point. I've seen it a number of, it's disgusting. It makes me want to puke. horrifying. But it's, um, yeah, it's so the oil. Have you seen that, Brendan? You've done it? Yeah, I've done it a million times. Why would you? I've never done it. I'm glad I'm not the only one. That would have been really weird. It's the oils from your skin that makes the head go I mean, I could see that. I could see that it happens. I see the effect of it, but why would you do that? Why? You know, I don't know why. Just to get rid of the foam so they can take a healthy sip of beer. I mean, Drinking you know, games, yeah. some people just like to get down to business. Um, but yeah, so oils uh, greatly affect beer. And, you know, from from a brewing standpoint, whenever you're, you're trying to add a flavor to a beer, don't get an oil extract. <laughs> uh, we had to learn that the hard way. But um, yeah, oils will take away from uh, the head of a beer. And, um, you know, if the brewer is brewing with right in- ingredients, you shouldn't have a problem 
uh, but if you want clean glassware and you want to make sure that you know you don't touch the foam with your hands uh, sometimes ladies lipstick will have uh, oils in it and that could affect the head retention of a beer but uh, otherwise clean glassware uh, glassware that isn't scratched um, that'll that'll uh, be a nucleation point for for carbonation uh, you know there's some glassware that you you've probably seen that uh, it, they, they actually do a laser etching on the bottom of the glass that so it'll constantly keep feeding the the head at the top and i don't know it looks really cool <laughs> yeah it's great technology the spiegelau glasses duval like the ipa yes. glass yeah. duval glass i mean all the, the belgian beers are, yeah. for the most the part are on to that jam no this is good dan i didn't know how deep you were gonna go man i can go deep bro uh, we're, we're gonna go deep <laughs> but first tell us about the beers that, that we've had so we had what the bengali Yes. And I know that recipes change a lot, but it was one of my first first beers that I really loved from you guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the way we approach beer at Six Point is it, we're we're always constantly uh, uh, tweaking and trying to make the beers better, and not not the you know when I say tweaking, I'm not talking about big changes, but uh, slight adjustments over time. I mean, beer is an agricultural product, so you know uh, ingredients change, and you know the brewers have to adapt. To different crop years for hops and for malt, and so the beer is always changing slightly. But we, you know, we uh, the, one of the beautiful things about working for a brewery like Six Point is standards uh, are very, very high, and we don't spare any expense when it comes to standards. And that's how it should be for craft breweries. I mean, you know, we're trying to make the best beer possible. So, yeah, it it, it has changed, and um, you know, slightly over the years and. You know, it'll probably continue to change slightly as we uh, we continuously improve our product. And what's the next? Cream? Yes, cream. What is cream? Cream. Can we is a, can we note the spelling, please? As a, yeah. a Wu Tang fan, I just wanted to be <laughs> yeah, the way it's written on here. Coffee cool. rules everything around me. Mm-hmm. Cream, and it's uh, it's a coffee blonde ale, and um, you know we did we did a pilot batch of this in Red Hook, and uh, it was called Pour Over, and you know we've. We've always liked to use coffee in our beer. It's always been a, a favorite ingredient of ours, and this is this is made using Stumptown coffee. Uh, and you know, it's it's so it smells it's a, like coffee grinds. Yeah, Very coffee, run, coffee yeah. blonde ale. So if, if you didn't tell me it was going back to tasting, if you didn't tell me it was coffee, would I even know it was coffee? But now, now I, it's yes. too late. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, if it's I looked funny. at the beer, I wouldn't think it was a coffee yes. beer though. That's the cool part about it is it looks like your typical blonde ale. Yeah, right. And you know the funny part of I mean if you want to keep going on aroma, the funny part about putting coffee in a blonde ale and this this has happened not just with with ours but other other blonde uh, blonde ales that have coffee is if you really close your eyes and you take a whiff, you know, it kind of smells like peppers a little yeah, bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can get yeah, that. I thought that too. Pepper. I've always had this argument with him. We have a, an espresso beer that we make and I always think jalapenos yeah and i've gotten it from so many people they don't get it but i always get jalapenos from coffee yes mm-hmm. yes and you know i hate telling people because then that's all they can get that's all i can get now but now yeah. i've told the whole brewing world <laughs> no but i get that also a lot of times in smoky things and in yeah, isle of scotches yeah. and different you know it's just that charred pepper skin yeah. but i really dig it yeah it's, it's, it's great so you know when did this beer come out this beer just came out boy last month i want to say it came out uh with high res and 
It's, uh, like I said, it's a coffee blonde ale, and we used uh, a, a judicious amount of coffee, and we used a maltodextrin to balance it to give it a little bit of sweetness. And um, I, I really like it. It's what we set out to brew. Sean Carney, one of our brewers, uh, uh, did a great job on it, and um, it's a really tasty beer. At what stage do you add the coffee? We add the and coffee what on the cold side. On the what, I'm sorry? Cold side. And so how do you... In, how do you... Uh, for this one, we, we, we put it in uh, large bags, just kind of like dry hopping. Cool. Yeah. Is it grinds? Yeah. Is it full beans? or This was ground. Yeah, but you can, you, you know, we've, we've played with that, and we, you get a significant amount of aroma with, with beans as well. Yeah. Uh, we just found that we liked uh, ground coffee better. You get a little bit more, yeah, I've obviously. seen a lot of people using cold brew all of a sudden now, too, on, on darker beers, and too. I feel like that's kind of just like a concentrated version of it. You don't have to use as much, but it goes a lot further. Totally. Yep. Going back to the oils, how does that, does that affect, I mean, obviously there's a lot of oil in coffee beans, no? Does that affect... Uh, yeah, and, you know, it, it may affect it a little bit. I haven't seen too much adverse effects. I mean... You know, it, it it could potentially affect it. I, I don't. I couldn't pin down the exact science, but uh, I haven't found too much of an adverse effect on head retention from the coffee. So, you know, maybe the oils aren't leached out. I'm not sure, but um, you know, during the pilot batches and and uh, on to you know the production brew house, we we didn't see any adverse effects. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that would make make a difference, no, like whole remember. beans versus ground versus the, like yeah. I don't right. Know if that makes a That's difference. a good question. But it's good. This is, this is really good stuff. And it's, what beer are you making for New York City Brewers Choice? Are you making the Smash beer? The smell. So we're making a smash beer, and we made a New York uh, uh, City beer uh, choice beer. Uh, so the smash beer, uh, you know, I know you just said you guys made a, a sour, right? We have dueling sours. We have dueling sour beers, and maybe you know, I don't know if I've heard right, but there may be more than two. I'm sour sure. beers are hot right now. And uh, we're very excited about them at Six Point. But yes, we made a, a kettle sour, a golden, uh, a golden kettle sour beer from a dry hopped kettle sour golden. Did I? Does that? Am I making any sense? We, we can <laughs> put the words together. You, just, yeah, Our brain, you guys can put that together. I can see the beer now. You, you just keep talking. To me. We, we like the way you're talking. We're rolling. We're on a roll with Danny from Six Point, and uh, take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. All right. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I never know what the music is, but it sounded good to me. What was it, Liz? Nobody knows. 
<laughs> it was good. Well, we, we were here with. D- oh, d- hey, sorry. It was this band called Bad Citizen. They're so bad, they're good. That was cool. Kind of rocking, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're rocking. We're rolling. We always do. Well, I think that's what we, we got this guy, Danny Brucker, here, who kind of seems like a rock and roll of brewer dude. And we're just letting him go. So, what's your next you know, special point you want to talk about? All right. Well, you know. Because we talked about head on beer. We talked about yes. so, hazy versus cloudy. I mean, I guess if I had to talk about anything, uh, I, I, I would have to, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about sour beers. And sort of uh, the direction that I see Red Hook uh, Six Point going. Uh, we just recently purchased two fooders, thirty barrel fooders. Which uh, anybody that doesn't know what a fooder is, um, it's this beautiful, gigantic, uh, basically a gigantic barrel. It's a it's a wooden tank made out of oak. And the ones that we purchased are coming from Italy. Uh, they previously held Sangiovese wine, and you know, doing legitimate sour beers, uh, inoculated sour beers, or one. One of the things that excite all of us uh, over at, at Red Hook, and you know, I think right now that's what we're all talking about more than anything. Besides the great lineup of beers that we have coming out, um, yeah, sou- sour beers, and they're extremely popular right now. But let me tell you, it's it's a it's a good challenge for a brewer to bring in a lot of sour sour beer to a you know. <laughs> clean brew house yeah are you so, going to keep it separate a little bit or how are you going to so yes up? yeah there are there are definitely tricks that you can do uh separate lines for sour beer um you know if you if you have to use a tank that also holds clean beer you have to you have to do a little bit of quality control on it you have to you know uh make sure that the tank is absolutely clean after the sour beer leaves the tank uh different parts for every every sour beer and um you know, it, it, it's a lot of extra work for a brewer. So, you know, you have to really be excited about the beverage to want to take on something that is going to demand that much more from us. Danny, what, what do you think triggered the sour beer explosion? Because just a few years ago, you couldn't really get it. And, you know, there were things like, I remember like nine, nine years ago, I had a keg of Cantillon Goose at Jimmy's Number 43. And I'll tell you, honestly... It was the first keg I ever had that didn't move. It took a month to go through that keg. We recently got a, 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 the same keg a year ago and, and went in one night. You know, it, it's a good question. And I, I do have a theory on why it, it's becoming so popular. I don't know if it's true or not, and it's definitely debatable. But I feel like sour beers step more into the wine realm more than any other beer that I can think of. You know, some of the aromas that you get from from sour beers, uh, like horse blanket, and, you know, I don't know how many of you own horse blankets, but it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, earthy. Danny, if you tell us, we'll go out and get them. That's the new trend. I always loved that descriptor, you know, horse blanket. Like, what the hell does a horse blanket smell like? But, you know, it's they're, they're very complex beers, and and, and the aroma that you get off of these beers are extremely complex. And, you know, I, I think people subconsciously relate to them a little bit more because I feel like they step into into the wine realm better than, than other beers do. And that's just my theory. So if, if, well, I rub, my- if I rub this horse blanket that I'm sitting on <laughs> and I smell my <laughs> And I, it has oils from my hand, and I, it'll kill the head on my beer, and then <laughs> it'll taste like horse blanket beer. We're having a rodeo over here. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with, exactly with what he's saying. It's uh, I've I've seen some somewhat of the uh, the cider trend as well, doing the same thing, where they're both kind of almost intermixing, where the cider is getting more dry and tart, the beer is going a little more drier and tart. 
Um, they're going more into the, the wine, the wine <laughs> realm of what you expect. And I think one of the things that is so appealing to people who weren't into craft beer before was um, craft beer has always kind of been like a hop forward thing. Yeah. And when we think of craft beer, you think of hoppy, bitter things, which is not technically true, but that's what people who aren't used to the beer world think of. Um, so when you got these sour beers starting to catch on, you get the the non-craft drinkers starting to realize that they like these sour beers. You'll get people come up and be like, have you ever had this sour beer before? I didn't know what it Champagne-y was. champagne yeah. and the yeast strands that they get from it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and also for me, I think a crucial point, especially in bars and doing what we do, is that for the most part, you can get these intense, complex flavors without high alcohol levels. Yeah. And that... I would choose that as that the number one reason, and also, you know, you you go out, you can't drink five double IPAs, you can't yeah. drink all of these insane. And do you have things, a, do you have a question for Danny? Well, I have a bunch of questions, but I'll okay, come on, that, you go first. All right, <laughs> no, well, in that case, come I on, ask some yeah. questions. I'm scared. No, it's not. No, I'm just thinking okay. off the top of my head. From you seem to be quite technical and really excited. Is there anybody that you really respect in the brewing world, or or someone's style, or a certain brewery that you just think like that is the epitome of what I'd love to do someday, or who I'd like to work with? You know, it's it's a tough question to answer only because I feel like I've had a lot of really good teachers that came before me. Um, You know, every every head brewer that was at Six Point, I I walked away from that head brewer with, with... with more than you know when they started and i could i happily name names i mean jan matisiak pete dixon ian mcconnell uh they were they were all great great brewers that i learned a lot from and you know at abg i mean my goodness the the teachers that we had there were were fantastic i mean steve parks garrett oliver um you know uh john mallet just just they have they have a bunch of fantastic teachers and you know it's I look up to I look up to, to all of them. I mean, you know, I, I'm I, it's it, it's I feel honored that you guys call me a very technical brewer because I don't I don't have a big science background, but you know, it's like I said before, beer in itself demands a lot from people, and the more you learn about it, the more you realize how much it actually demands by making a good beer. And there's always trade-off with what you're working with, but you know, uh, to to be an educated brewer can, is, is a very challenging thing to be, and um, Dang. you know, we love it. Jumping back, throwback. One one uh, brewery that always ties me to you know my interest in craft beer is yeah. Adnams in, in England and it goes back to the Michael Jackson's great book mm-hmm. you know you guys recently did a collaboration or something with Adams because yes. you had some of the brewers here we walked out of reverse I'm like you guys are with six points with Adams and I don't even know they were here we we had and still have uh, an unbelievable relationship with Adams and all the people over there are just great and you know it, it was just just this daydream uh, for a, a well, let me rephrase that. This was a wet dream for a brewer. Uh, we got to go to England uh, multiple times to a beautiful uh, seashore town called Southwold, and we got to brew a beer in, a, in an English brewery, and we got to see them fill casks, and, and it was just a it was a wonderful, surreal experience. Um, you know, you you. <laughs> I mean, most home brewing books are are written from from an Englishman's you know take on brewing, and you know coming from that back background, 
to actually go there and, and <laughs> drink a, a real ale, cask ale, you know, ser- cellared and served properly where, you know, there's still a relationship with the publican. You know, you don't, it's hard to find that relationship in the United States and it's an art form in itself, but it was amazing. I mean, every beer, brewer, every bar, I'm sorry, I walked into, you could find a cask ale that was like 3.8% and you could just drink this stuff all day long and it was, it was delicious and the flavors were different and it was, uh, it was a really amazing experience, and we still have a relationship with Adnams. And you know, I don't know what what the next beer coming up will be, but uh, you know, I think the last person to go there was one of our brewers, Marcus Lutter, and, and he brewed uh, I think he brewed Bengali Tiger. <laughs> and you know, it's it, it was really an amazing experience. Oh, I could drink buckets of the Southwold bitter to have it on oh, cask. I can't even imagine. It'd be amazing. Hey, so the next beer, just we have a Southern tier on. Tell us about the pills, and you know, you, you've been a big fan of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of the style in general. So if you can make a good Pilsner, I think that's the, a pretty benchmark for the type of brewer that you are. Uh, yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I think Pilsners are a style that, I think one of the most underrated styles along with a porter. But uh, Pilsners, for, like, if you can make a quality Pilsner, um, it speaks volumes of a brewery. Um, the, the time it needs to lager, the time it takes to have clear, clean water. Um, so this Pilsner that we... Uh, that we're drinking is the Southern Tier Pilsner, um, and we wanted to brew it to a more of a German-specific style, um, so we actually filter our water specifically to mimic the water um, that you can get from Germany with, our, or with the system that we have that can basically just reverse osmosis everything and clean it out, um, and then we add the, ne- the necessary like salts and enzymes you need to make it a German water. We get all our malts and our hops from Germany as well to make this beer. Um, we add a little twist, as we do with, with all of our beers, our Southern Tier Twist, um, to add a little, little hopness to it, but it's not going to be over-the-top uh, craft hoppy. Um, we wanted to make it a little more, um, you know, acceptable to the, the everyday person who might not be familiar with what a craft pilsner might be. But it's only available for us, right? At least for now? to New York City? Yeah. Yeah, it's just New York City right now. Uh, me and Shane were begging for this beer for a while. We, we love the style, and... and um, I think balance is a big thing for us. We, I love a lot of craft pilsners out there, but I think they scare a lot of people away because people go towards the macro beers that they felt comfortable with for a while to get them into craft beer, that we wanted to do something that wasn't too hoppy, that scared you away as a pilsner, that was still balanced, approachable, but had our balance of hops to the end of it. And we made this just for New York City, and it's been doing great for us. It's, it's, we love it, and, it, and the, the city's loved it so far. It's, it's real nice, and I'll tell you what, we're going to have you guys back big time. So in this, in the early spring, you're yeah. going to come down with one of Some your brewers, and we're going to yep. do a big Southern Tier night. But, but back, back to um, you, Danny. What's the last beer? High res. So, high res. So uh, I'm I still, think- I'm, I'm amazed at the you know number of beers that Six Points made over the years. And 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 one thing when Six Point rolled out in 2005, that's what set you apart is that you, you guys were making like Shane was making like a different beer every every month. Yeah, it's. Um- I still can't remember all of them. I there can't so either. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, high res. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people are familiar with resin, which is our double IPA, and we stepped it up a notch. And, uh, you know, more hops, higher ABV uh, gave us high res. And, you know, I, I expect to see, you know, I hope I'm not jumping the gun on this one, but we're hoping to come out with uh, low res which is going to be a session IPA uh, later this year. But, yeah, high res is our, our triple IPA. 
Dear God, what is this thing? Is it 10%? Something like that? It's about 10, 10 yeah. and a half. 100,000 IBUs. Insanely hoppy. Um, thank, thankfully, you know, we have plenty of hop heads in this company that I don't have to, you know, be too hardcore of a hop head. I really love malty beers, but this beer is, uh, yeah, very, very drinkable, very sneaky. Uh, drink, <laughs> drink with care. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, we came out with it uh, last month. Uh, we released it with cream, and so far it seems to be doing very well. What hops do you use? We use, um, well, we use a lot of um, classic American hops, um, Citra, Cascade, Chinook, I think Amarillo's in there. Uh, as far past that, I'd have to really look at the recipe. Uh, you know, it's funny, out of all the beers we brew, I'm horrible at remembering what the hell I put in these things. And uh, it's, it's, uh, we brew a lot of different beers. So if I don't have a recipe in front of me, God, don't ask me about recipes. <laughs> Just don't put peas in it for Jimmy. That's yeah, right. exactly. As long as no peas Gooseberries. In I'm not going to any blind tastings with you guys. <laughs> but uh, last thing, the, the culture, there's something special about the Six Point Brewery in, in Red Hook. It's the original brewery. And I've been there a few times. I've made... I've sat in on making beer for peace mm-hmm. beers. I've never made beers, and you guys have been so gracious. You know, what, tell me if, if one thing you think about Six Point that makes it unique. Well, you know, one thing that that really makes it unique for me is, like, like you heard me talk about, br- brewing is. It's a very, very strict science. We used to hang a picture of Judge Judy up next to uh, the mash tun because it's, it's a science that, that you can't, you, if you cross it, you will get Judy justice. And, you know, you'll have to, you'll have to probably dump that beer down the drain. So it's, it's a strict science. But, you know, for as, as serious as we take it and as much as we love it, I, I really try to focus a lot on, on making the relationship between the brewers just it for me it, it I love seeing it be just a, a group of guys or girls that just love making beer and love coming into work and it just makes everything so much easier so that's one of the things for me that I find very special about that place and you know it's why I why I keep coming to work every day because it's not easy and a lot of the times it's not fun but we all have a really good time working together and you know it's a fun place to be and you've got three kegerators and we have three kegerators <laughs> that's right and uh, uh yeah. elements <laughs> yes. we're, we're, we're gonna wrap it up and tell us about that special beeric event you're doing at taproom 307 yeah we're featuring all you guys actually it's uh 40 taps, two casks of all New York beer. I think there's only two breweries that are repeating, and that's because it's collaborations. Um, so it's 40 taps, 40 different breweries, and also a lot of really special kegs that you don't When's see very that often. Be? That's on uh, Monday, February 22nd. Big industry night. We're going to have a blast. That sounds great. Yeah. And a big shout-out to New York City Beer Week coming up February 19th. Go to your favorite Good Beer Seal bar, and you can drink one of these guys' smash beers. It's, it's simultap. That's a big one. They've got a big cruise on the, on the 20th. Our event, New York City Brewer's Choice, where most, most of our favorite brewers will be there with special beers, and they're closing it out this year with a, a new cast festival. So check it out, New York City Beer Week. And uh, you guys, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, just say your names again. Thank you. Thanks, Ann. Got this guy, Danny, a lot of new face here. Shane, Shane and, 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 and Brandon. Brandon, thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks to our producers, Justin and Maggie, and our engineers, Liz and uh, Jack Inslee. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right, yeah.
Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.